I'm speaking with composer John Piscatella, who recently composed the score for No Place on Earth, uh, a fascinating documentary about uh, cave explorers uncovering the stories of five Jewish families using the same cave system to hide from uh, the Nazis in, uh, during World War II. Uh, his score was just released on Veres Sarabond as well. Uh, thanks so much for speaking with me today, John. It's good to speak with you. Hello. Uh, so to start off, uh, what does music mean to you personally? And uh, I guess looking back, what was it that led you to film composing? Oh, gosh, that's an interesting question. What does it mean to me personally? Um, well, you know, it, I really, uh, I, I'm a film composer. I, I don't consider myself an artist, mm-hmm. the, the type of person that, you know, writes for the stage or writes for the, you know, for the club or even the iTunes download. Um, I am just really love storytelling. I love films, and I love the emotional experiences of films. And I mean, I also love music. I love the orchestra, and I have all kinds of favorite uh, scores from you know throughout history. Uh, but uh, I, I really just love the the emotion and drama of great storytelling, and uh, so that's why for me. Um, what I wanted to to write and create was you know music for movies, music for stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you scored No Place on Earth, uh, which is a you know amazing documentary. How did you get involved with such an interesting film? Well, um, I've known the director for a long time. Uh, we actually met on a plane flight to Washington D.C. Uh, in two thousand one, believe it or not. Oh wow! And we just became friends. We were uh, interested in. in uh, the work each of us was doing, she was a TV news producer, and I was, at the time, working at Google. And so we always just kept up with each other. And the truth about this film is that, you know, it took a long, it took many years for her to get this film made. I think I started talking with her about it in maybe 2005 or 2006, wow. and the film wasn't completed until 2012. That's crazy. I mean, it does take a long time, especially with the uh, passion projects and films that are smaller in scale. <laughs> smaller films, the hard thing is always uh, raising money mm-hmm. and making sure you have what you need to get it made and to get it made, you know, get it made uh, in the best way possible. And that really happened with this film. And uh, we were just really, really pleased with how it turned out and the whole approach to the film, which is very cinematic. Um, it relies not only on interviews, but also this incredible story um, has, uh, you know, dramatic um, recreations. So you see this drama throughout the film as you're hearing the survivors tell their story. And uh, it just just makes the story much more powerful, especially with where the film goes, mm-hmm. its ending. So what was the, the musical goal specific for this film? Well, you know, uh, to, to tell a little bit about it, it's uh, these families... Uh, survived. They were in the Ukraine. Uh, the Germans had taken over the area and bunkers weren't safe. So they went into this underground cave system. And the story is told by four of the survivors from these families who were in their 70s. The oldest was, I think, 90 when the movie was filmed. Mm. And so they're, they're telling their story through interviews. And at the end of the movie, um, the film crew took them with this cave explorer who had discovered uh, their artifacts and had become a friend of the family. Um, they fly back after 63 years and go back into the caves where they grew up. The youngest was only three when they came out of the caves. Wow. So it's just really powerful. And I think emotionally for the score, it was really, uh, I-, I was very touched by the story that uh, this was their childhood. This, this, for some of them were a little bit older, maybe teenagers, 
their formative experience of their life. And they went on to uh, get to America and have families and children and grandchildren have these large families now. Um, some of them live in Canada, not just America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just really touched by this was your, your, uh, your earliest memory. This was your, your safety of your bedroom, you know, the, the safety of your parents taking care of you or whatever. For them, it, were, it was these caves. And uh, it, was a, it was a safe place in an extremely, you know, brutal and dangerous environment. And uh, so I, I just found that just, just very, very touching. And, and um, so it was easy uh, to write music once you get uh, so, so close to the story like I was able to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've interviewed actually many doc composers before, and we discussed kind of that idea of, you know, does becoming emotionally attached to a film and its subject matter Uh, affect your music and make it more organic or is it better to look at a film kind of as a structured story you know with three acts that need themes and variations etc like uh, how do you perceive that do you feel more that you feel like a better writer a better storyteller when you're more emotionally attached to this real life story well i think always i think um that that's really important Mm -hmm. in no matter what the genre or style of music is you know there has to be something um you know, coming from the composer's heart. Right. Uh, having said that, that that theme and structure and motivic variation and all of those technical things that we composers study so intensely, um, that's that's all super important. And but hopefully that becomes sort of um, in your subconscious all that technical stuff, and you're able to operate more on your your emotional level when you're actually doing the the, the you know the 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 hard work of of getting the score done on time. Mm-hmm. And you've scored you've scored features before. Uh, what what was it like attempting a, a feature documentary? Did you find the experience to be different? Did it require any different approach uh, or any anything that was different from a fictional narrative? I think well, every film is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, every film is different. Whatever, whether it's a short film or a feature or a studio feature or an indie feature, and. Um, but the things that are in common are, um, you know, to you just want to reflect the emotions of the story, the emotional point of view of somebody on the screen at any given time, and you want to do it with the vision that the director is trying to achieve. And I think one of the the challenges in No Place on Earth, I mean, it's a, I mean, this is a story about these families uh, that banded together and survived. But, you know, the context is World War II and the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And so the, the challenge there is to make the, ex- you want to convey, you know, the, the, the gravity and the direness of the situation, the emotions of the situation, um, which were often fraught with just incredible peril. And at the same time, you want to do it with a touch that, at least in the case of this film, is light enough and reflects the personalities of the survivors who are telling their stories from a distance of 63 years and who are often very engaging and funny as they're telling these stories. I mean, there was one story in the film uh, that they were in two sets of caves, and the reason why is the first cave was raided by the Germans. Mm -hmm. And um, they were being arrested, and, you know, one of the survivors, his name is Sam, he's saying, uh, well, you know, this this, uh, police officer told me to get dressed, and I thought to myself, hey, they're not shooting anybody. So I took my time. I dressed really, really slowly. I figured, what the heck, I've got nothing to lose. And he's kind of telling this with a little bit of humor in the midst of, you know, really 
um, just a just a dire event in his life. So that's one of the things you want to reflect that personality of the storyteller. And it's the same as any film that's telling a story. Who's who is on the screen? What's their emotional point of view? And you just do your best to reflect that. Mm-hmm. So as a writer, uh, when you start working on a film, uh, any film, whether not you know a documentary or fictional narrative or uh, or a short, what aspect of a story? Uh, speaks to you the most to get your creativity flowing? Is it the characters, the plot, the setting? Uh, what really speaks to you the most and what you know gets you writing those first notes? Well, um, I think uh, it's all of those things. It's certainly mm-hmm. the characters, um, the plot, and the setting. Let's, let's, let's take those through, actually. Um, the setting is a very rural place in World War II, um, and... Much of the action is underground in caves. There's a lot of action above ground when they're out stealing food and um, things like that. And, uh, you know, so there was this idea of um, darkness and uh, but also safety mm-hmm. in the dark. And so, you know, you're definitely thinking about that setting. And so some of the... Um, some of the music that I chose just had that idea of sort of this connection to the caves and a little bit to nature. At the same time, you know, you're in Eastern Europe and uh, it's World War II. So, for example, you're not necessarily, I mean, you could choose to do something with synthesizers and bass lines and, and, and drum machines. Uh, we made the choice to, you know, reflect the setting, which was, you know, it's a very rural place. So we knew right away, pretty much, given that it's, you know, 60 years past, that we would use an orchestra for this because it, it, it just seemed to fit with the images that we had in mind and with what we were hearing in the stories. And then I think the specifics of, you know, what melodies are here and, uh, you know, what instrument takes the melody there is often just driven by the character and the scene. So they all, they're all important. Uh, they're all equally important in many ways. The most important is always you as the composer, how you feel about the story. Uh, that's, that's really... Because you, you're, you're really representing the audience and the audience's experience. And so it, it, you need to react like an audience member. How do you feel watching this story? So would you say that your music is kind of your initial reaction to the story? It is, and that's not always what the director wants initially, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Um, there was one scene that I just, I just felt it was overwhelming, and um, so I wrote something initially that was, was uh, very dramatic, and um, immediately the, the feedback started coming back. We need to rethink what you're doing, and it, it was the second half of a scene actually. And so we just we just did it almost in the opposite way. Uh, they wanted something very quiet, and and um, they didn't want. They felt that my emotional reaction scene was revealing too much at that point in the movie, mm. and that was the right call. So um, sometimes you you have to have the context of what not only how you're reacting to, but also what is the intent of the storyteller of the director um, who knows the subject knows the. Um, you know, the subjects of this documentary, there are four of them. Um, you know, she, Janet Tobias, the director's name, has gotten very close with the family, knows the family really, really well. She knows the story well. And she is tasked with telling the story correctly, telling it right. And so you have to trust the director um, when they tell you, you know, where you're going isn't, isn't what we want. We want. We want to go this way. And then you, you go and you do that. Mm-hmm. 
So just looking at the entire scoring process that uh, for any film, what's your favorite part of writing music for a film? Um, I think the most satisfying um, day is probably um, at the very end of it uh-huh. uh, because finally the vision is happening. Um, I used to work as an engineer. Actually, I was a computer science major in college, and you know, I'd write software and ship it out. And it was always when it was just about to ship and everything was working. It's like, oh, gosh, this is so great. It's all <laughs> um, And it's kind of that way. You know, we composers, we make these mock-ups with our, you know, you can buy these. They're called sample libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, allow you to play real instruments from your keyboard. They're sort of pre-recorded performances that are chopped up and processed so you can recreate them and it, they can be very convincing um but convincing is not the same thing as um you know doing it live with uh great players people that you know people that you're friendly with and working with them to get it to happen so it's really that end of the process is 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 the best part because um that's that's when your work sounds the best is when just when you're finishing it All right absolutely <laughs> so what would you say is the most challenging aspect of writing a film score? I think, uh, well, I think for everyone that's going to be different. Um, you know, you have to do it on a deadline. You know, the project has to happen. And mm-hmm. we were submitting to the Toronto International Film Festival. And so there was a very specific deadline for it. And so, you know, as you get closer to that deadline, the, the, the hardest thing is to know when do you leave the thing you're working on and go on to the next thing that you need to do. And um, if, you, if you're not careful about that, then things can back up. Um, there's usually time to get everything done, and you just have to make sure that you, you, you get to everything. And uh, so, so knowing when to, to move on um, is, uh, is very important. Anything that's deadline-driven is, in some ways, you know, the deadline is when it's done. Yeah. Um, it, it's... It's you could keep working on it and keep polishing and improving it, um, but uh, with all of these things, whether it's a, you know, whether you're an artist that that does paintings or a songwriter or whatever, at some point you have to you have to finish um, and move on. And so I think that's that's a key thing for composers to know is is when do I move on to the next thing because there's a lot of music to get done and uh, the deadline is it cannot be missed. Are you one of those people that love? like to tinker and play with something and would you like never finish it if you never had a deadline well i don't i don't like not finishing things (laughs) but i i do find deadlines are are very helpful yeah actually um and whether it's something um you know if if you're doing something that's not attached to a project with a deadline then you just have to find a way to impose your own deadlines on Mm -hmm. um but uh urgency for me is is helpful um, at certain stages of the project, I think early in the project, when you're coming up with your themes and ideas, um, you know you want that time to be more unstructured. You want to, um, uh, you know, give yourself time to search for the voice that you want to have for a particular project. Um, and then once you once you have that decided in that unstructured early part, then you know you you lay out your schedule and say I'm going to get these cues done on these days and. Um, that that preparation really helps you make those deadlines. Hmm. Well, I guess to wrap up, I always like to ask composers uh, if you could score any film ever made, with no disrespect to the original composer, which film would you choose? Oh, that is an interesting question. 
um, I guess you would have to choose one of your one of your favorite films. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though some many of those seem to have uh, perfect scores, you know. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm a fan of uh, of Hitchcock. Um, I'm a fan of the movie North by Northwest, which of course is a completely classic, perfect score. Um, but uh, I I think that that was a really fun movie at the time. I would like to have lived at that time and done that score. I think that. Um, you know, what you see of uh, this New York ad executive and what you see out in, uh, I guess, where they end up in a Tahoe at the end at some cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think the, the, the famous scene has no music, I believe, until maybe late in the scene where he's standing at this crossroads and this plane is attacking him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just such great stuff. And, and at that time, you know, uh, I guess it was the 60s, uh, what, what a great time to be scoring such a cool film like that. Um, I, I would have loved to, to have that opportunity. Well, that's a, a fantastic answer. <laughs> um, but thank you so much, John, for your time. Uh, it's been such a great pleasure chatting with you and very informative. And, and uh, hopefully we get to do it again sometime. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. It was good to speak with you. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon, I hope. 